0: Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is in loving memory of Yochai Kapla, Allah, Vashalom, Ilunishma Yochai Ben Mazal, sponsored by the Kapla family and his friends. Breakfast is also in an honor and welcoming uh, our new assistant rabbi, Rabbi Ariel Mizrahi, Erich Yamim Amam Nachto. We wish him Matzah Shacha in our synagogue, sponsored by the Marcus family. <coughs> Rabotai, the Pasuk tells us that a, that a Melech, a king over Israel, has an obligation. And what is his obligation? He has a Sefer Torah that is, that is written, and it's one that he takes with him. The Sefer Torah is with him. And he reads it all, every single day of his life. I think that there's two lessons here. One which is the obvious. The obvious is the simple pshat understanding in the pasuk that there's a physical Torah that is with him and he reads it every day from his life. He opens it every morning. Ele toodot noach. Lech et etc., etc. He reads in the Torah, and, and he, and he uh, what's it called? And he, uh, he fulfills the obligation. But I think there's another element, another understanding in the Pasuk. And that is, In order for the Torah to be with someone, the only way a person can live a life of Torah, the only way, is bo, And he reads in it ko every day of his life. If you're not studying Torah every day, it is impossible that Torah is with you. Impossible that your Judaism is transportable, that it moves effortlessly with you from the synagogue to your place of work, from your place of work back into your home. Rabbi Otay, there was an amazing story brought by Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein. He says, unbelievable, there was a big Talmid Chacham who had occasion to move from his town all the way to the holy city of Sifat. Now, now, today, every person has, at uh, you know, a push of a button, you can have delivered to your home an entire shas, all of the sets of the Gemara in the uh, in the uh, in, in our uh, in our bookshelves. However, there was once a time where each masechet of Gemara it was handwritten, or eventually, when they started printing them, it was very expensive to have. In many cities, there was only one shas in the entire city. Everyone pooled together and they would put it in the, what's it called, in the, uh, the ha knesset. In fact, interestingly enough, the Sefer HaChinuch writes that although there's a mitzvah which is incumbent upon every Jew to write a Sefer Torah, the Chinuch writes that you also fulfill your obligation to write a Sefer Torah if you buy Seferim and you put them in the library. Now to me, I'm a little bit unsure if your synagogue already has a shas, and you decide you want to bring another set of gemarot and stick it on the shelf, would the chinuch also hold that you would fulfill your obligation of buying, of uh, writing a sefer Torah, because you bought a second or third or fourth set that's going to sit on the shelf and gather dust? I'm unsure about that. But what's clear is that this idea was something that was very difficult. So this Sadiq, this talmid Chachan, he moves to zefat, and what does he have with him? He has one gemara. One. One Masechet. I believe it was a Masechet Besa. Okay? That's all he's got. There's no other Gemara in the entire city of Sifat. So what does he do? Every day, every morning, day after day, week after week, year after year, rain or shine, what does he do? He studies Masechet besa. That's the one book that he's got. It deals with the laws of Yom Tov. Rabbi he finished Masechet Besa in his lifetime 3,000 times. And even though he was a tremendous Tamii Chacham, and even though he studied many other books that other people had and whatever, but the book that he had, he studied that many times, that was his pride and joy. And he said, when I die, I want you to write on my gravestone nothing about the fact that I was a Tamii Chacham, just the fact that I reviewed Masechet Mesa 3,000 times. Who knows, maybe one day, someone will see it and will be inspired to study and to review their Torah learning. Well, Rabbi there was a young boy a boy from a family that was very religious that the father was a rabbi and you know what the kid felt this is not for me he goes every day to the yeshiva every day he studies he feels a little bit less you know connected until one day he just packs his bags leaves the yeshiva meets a group of friends that's maybe heading in the opposite direction and before long the guys on the streets of the city of Yerushalayim of, uh, getting up to all sorts of trouble He got the worst group of friends, and it got worse and worse, and drugs, and alcohol, and crime, etc., etc. Until one day, his parents already had given up hope long ago. The boy knocks at the door and says, Dad, Mom, I'm back. What do you mean you're back? Where have you been for the last uh, two years? He says, doesn't matter where I've been. It matters where I am. I'm back. Sign me up once again. I want to go back to the yeshiva to study Torah. They said, what about everything you've been doing? He says, I'm back. They, their hearts, like the Pasuk says about Yaakov Avinu, it was such a hard thing for him. His heart couldn't couldn't you know deal with the fact they said really they start crying tears of joy the boy goes back as if nothing has happened he sits down he studies non-stop becomes a tremendous masmeed someone who studies non-stop becomes a rabbi eventually becomes a great disseminator of torah in our generation now listen to this they asked him years later i'm sure in the beginning they didn't want to ask him you know what, what it was what it was because you know like they say don't jinx it you know don't ask any questions Don't jinx it, the kid's back, he's doing the right thing, he's on the right path, don't ask no questions. Listen to this Rabotai, he says, at the lowest point of my life, I was in the city of Sifat. I was proudly high, I'm wandering through the cemetery in the middle of the night. He says, and all of a sudden, out of all of the thousands of graves that are there, I see one tombstone, and it caught my eye, the inscription on the tombstone, that the person who lay here, Studied one masechet three thousand times. He says and I thought to myself Someone who could study the same book thousands of times It must be that there's something there that each time he studies it. He has a deeper understanding It must be that I'm not getting what the Torah is teaching if someone could study it 3,000 times there must be a depth that I have not tapped into. I need to try and access that. And you know what? If it's still not there for me, then I could go back onto the streets once again. I'm going to give it one more chance. Rabbotai. thousands of times of a Gemara eventually inspired this person. But to me, to my mind, there's something magnificent about this. This guy, he really fulfilled the dictum of the Torah. What is the element of Torah that you are going to study every single day. It's one of the few questions that God asks us when we get to heaven. <laughs> did you set aside time every day to learn? It doesn't need to be an hour, it doesn't need to be a half hour, it could even technically be one minute. God doesn't ask in those questions, how long did you learn? But rather, did you set aside time to learn? Because if there's a time in the day, every day, that you stop and the only thing that occupies this time is Torah, then your brain knows that I am planting a uh, a yated, a peg, and I'm digging it into the ground, that this grounds me. No matter where I fly, it holds me steady and brings me back here. Rabbutai, the Pasuk tells us, We spoke yesterday about the judges that a person uh, institutes in his life, about the rabbi that a person decides is going to be their guidance <clears throat> their guidance in difficult times in stormy waters. But the second part of the Pasuk says something that I think most people forget about while they're looking at Shofetim. And the second thing is Shoterim. Police. The policeman doesn't have to be the Tzaddik. The Shoter is someone that keeps you on the straight and narrow. I today was speaking about upstairs in the Dvar Halakha. We were talking about Tzadikhot and while I was talking about ensuring that we speak on time. I look on one side of the synagogue and some guy is like nodding his head in agreement. Absolutely, Rabbi, you need to finish this on time. It's very important that you rush to get to the finishing time. And then I say, but at the same time, it's important that we don't go too fast. And I look to my right and I see someone also nodding along. Absolutely, we shouldn't go too fast. We really should go slow. You know what's really funny? The shoter, a person needs to institute and make sure that he has in his life. The policeman is someone that ensures that he finds balance in his life. The shoter can be a regular guy, your friend. It doesn't say you have to be the Sadiq, All those conditions, it doesn't say about appointing a shoter. And what does that mean? What kind of cop, what kind of policeman does a person need in their life? Everybody knows what it is that they need. So as an example, if a person knows that certain mission, certain challenges, he always falls, get yourself a shoter, a a cop that stands by your side to ensure that you don't do that thing. If the opposite element is what you'd struggle with, then you need a shorter like that, a buddy system. In the Yeshivot in Europe, in the and in Slovakia, they had this idea where they would be, they would be almost like you have when you're swimming, a buddy one for the other to ensure that if the guy's going beneath the water, someone's looking out for him. So instituting that there's someone in your life that you're open with about a certain thing and that person's gonna keep you on the straight and narrow. Who is your shorter? Who guides you? Is your wife your shorter? Sometimes people, their own children can be, the shoter can be their policeman, someone that makes sure that they're doing the right thing. You know, a person can be late to synagogue and then all of a sudden their son comes along and he gets to the age where they have to come to synagogue with them and the kid says to his father, you know, Dad, why do we have to go now? Don't you always come late? <laughs> Bam! Now you got a shoter, ha <laughs> ha! Right, the guy, he always likes to talk about da 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 at the table, he talks about the shul politics, and then one day the kid comes home, And the kid says, Daddy, I learned that that's Lashon Hara. Are you speaking Lashon Hara? Ben Shoter. Rabotai, we need to institute, we need to make sure that there's someone who is ensuring that we stay on the straight and narrow. Now, in Alcoholics Anonymous and all these other addictions, you know what they do? They have certain things that they create that are Shoterim. And I want to communicate this idea very, very clearly. They put a little rubber band on their hand, and every time they think about having a drink, if they, they take the rubber band, and it gives them that little smack, it stings on their wrist. You keep doing that, eventually the brain says, I don't want to think about that. Because I know if I think about that, I'm going to get a snap. I think some people, they should take the rubber band, instead of on their wrist, put it on their face. You know, because otherwise, it's not, the wrist is not going to be good enough. But you see, you could have a rubber band to be a shotay. You could have in your mind, a person says to themselves, every time I speak Lashon Shonara, I put $5 in the Siddhaqah box. Some people, you know, you know they're gonna put in 100 and say, give me some credit. What? But you have to know how much how much the short there needs to be. So that guy needs to put in 100, whatever it is that hurts. I heard of someone, they said to me, I have a swear jar. I said, you have a swear jar? What's a swear jar? He says, you know, I decided I wanted to have clean mouth because having a filthy mouth when you speak, when you use swear words, when you speak bad about other people, it's a terrible thing. You have a, what they call verbal diarrhea. So that guy, what does he need to have? He needs a swear jar, he says. Every time I speak incorrectly, what do I do? I put $50. He says, the first week I was like, all right, you know what, I $50 here, $50 there. I said what I wanted. I felt like king of the world. He goes, but the second week and the third week and the fourth week, by the end of the month, do you know what I realized? I had in the swear jar almost $1,000. I said to this guy, Shema Yisrael, I need to rethink my friend choices, right? <laughs> but the guy said, I thousand dollars in the swear jar. He says, I don't have a thousand dollars to throw away every, uh, every month on nothing. So I started slowly but surely. It cut down, cut down, cut down, it cut down. That money became his shorter. Everybody needs to put shofetim to titen lecha b'chol she'arecha in all of your gates. In every area where you're walking out of town, where you're leaving your, what's it called, your, your safe place, your place of holiness, the city of Yerushalayim, at each one of these gates, there should be shofetim v'shotarim. The shofet, the guidance can come from a rabbi from the Talmud Torah, but you need to institute the ramifications, the cost, so that eventually you make a cost-benefit analysis and say to yourself, it's not worth the price. It's not worth it. And there, through that process, we will ensure that we pro- progressively become the best people that we can be. Baruch